Chapter 5. The First Day of Court. The eviction notices taped to the front doors of the Bel Air and the ones handed out to the tenants, they had a date on them. August 12, 2019. The tenants called their bosses and took off of work. They arranged babysitters and carpools to get to the courthouse. They didn't know what would happen when they arrived. They just knew that they were ordered to show up. But when I get there, they're all standing outside the courthouse. No court. No. You want to have court today? The tenants and I learned that the judge isn't there. The court date has been canceled, which means everyone took the day off of work for nothing. Me lo van a pagar, la corte. Corte for money for me, no job today. ¿Cuánto, cuánto tú pedías? Son $100 okay. for day. This is Maria. She lives in Unit 16 in between Carmen and Nancy. Right now, she looks defeated. Since the eviction notices were posted, she's been panicked trying to find a new apartment. They're either too expensive or too far away, or there's a months-long waiting list. Es problema porque no sabemos, pero si es el 23, nos podemos ir como en octubre. <laughs> For mo- movernos en octubre. This cancellation has Maria even more unsure of what she's going to do. As we talk, more tenants arrive. You want to invite the breakfast, you say. Yeah. <laughs> There's Jose and Carmen and Susan, one of the two white people who live at the Bel Air. They've all known each other for so long that they can all joke in the court parking lot about missing a day's pay. You want to see my wallet? You want to see mine? It's got moss. <laughs> mine has paper in it. I disculpe que vino un día está lloviendo, amigo. The tenants are a bit relieved by the mix-up. They didn't know if this would be the day where they all got evicted from the Bel Air and everyone lost their home. Instead, there's this anticlimactic moment of confusion and frustration as we all stand there in the court parking lot. Why weren't the tenants notified that the date had changed? Jose keeps asking me what I think. I have lots of thoughts, but I'm reluctant to share them. I've reported on courts for years, and they're mercurial and huge and opaque all at the same time, which sucks when you're poor and about to be homeless. As we're all standing there getting ready to leave, Carmen gets a phone call. It's from Eric, the Bel Air's property manager. He say Mark Aiton Easton is the is the lawyer. Mm-hmm. He say uh, it's postponed for September twenty three, not August. Eric says that he talked with a lawyer representing Jag, the owner of the Bel Air. There's apparently a new court date, but no one ever bothered to tell any of the tenants. Everyone's confused. Jose is looking at me, so I go inside to find out what happened. The Southampton Court Building is basically a quadruple-wide trailer just across from the town dump. Inside, there's a court officer manning a metal detector. Is there... so there's no administrative judge. Is there a clerk for the administrative judge that I could Uh, talk to? There's a clerk that you can talk to with. He points me to a clerk sitting behind a glass window. But he says my recorder has to stay outside... So I leave it on an ATM machine by the front door. 
The clerk and I chat for about 15 minutes. Her name is Deborah, and she politely walks me through how the court date was actually changed a month ago. That's why Jag's lawyer knew not to show up. The court was supposed to notify the tenants at the Bel Air, but somehow that message got lost. I head back outside to tell everyone. I'm actually feeling a bit uncomfortable at this point. Navigating court without a lawyer is not a good idea, but I don't know if I should tell the tenants or not. Can I uh, tell you a little bit about what happened in there? In English? In English? (laughs) Um, So I talked to the administrative... I explain everything. Carmen seems overwhelmed. I know she has a lot on her plate, between her two sons, moving out, and missing a day's pay. Did you lose the entire day? Yes, plus babysitter. (laughs) How much money do you think that is? Almost seven hours uh, by 15 per hour is uh, like 90 or 100, and I pay $40 for babysitter for two kids. So... Minus forty dollar without without spend for today. <laughs> oh my god, good deal. Better to laugh than to cry, I suppose. But Carmen cannot afford to keep losing money like this. She's trying to save for a new apartment, and rent is much more expensive than she anticipated. I I just see a couple apartments, and they're expensive. It's like. Uh, at 1700 1600 so it's too much for me. And this is assuming she even finds someone willing to rent to families. It's like a wrong half a kids because I just go and see five apartments and all the five tell me they don't want kids. I reached out to several landlords to ask about this no kids thing. No one ever got back to me. But what I do know is that after Mike Dunn got on the school board the school district asked the town to send code enforcement officers to the homes of its students. I also know that the town of Southampton is aware of Carmen's situation. In order to buy the Bel Air and close it down, town supervisor Jay Schneiderman promised to help. The person he put in charge is a woman by the name of Diana Weir. One day, um, Diana Weir, she called me. She's for for the town. And she asked me, what do you want to do it now for, or what do you try to do for now for a place? And I say, I do it the best I can. I go and ask him, but everybody say, no kids, no and what kids. what she say? And she say, yeah, I want to try to find a place for you, but now it's hard. There's no place in Henton Base, it's full. I say, no, I know. It sounds to- like Carmen is on her own. It sounds like the help that Jay promised is just a phone call. And the, the hotel is very public. What can I do when the school starts? Because the, the school, they go directly, okay, uh, oh, you live in the 20 Chinecock. We know that one because the school... Town- in two weeks, Carmen's sons start school again. She's worried that if she doesn't have a new address, the school may turn her kids away. It is the school that pushed to close the Bel Air. Hi, everything is coming now. I don't buy any school supplies because I don't know what can I do. All together, yeah. And they're crying because they don't want to leave to Hampton Base. I say, whatever, we can do it. Hmm. 
Hi, you've reached station manager Rima Dael. Thank you so very much for listening to this wonderful podcast, Every Town. Now, you've caught me on my drive home and I'm pulling into the garage right now. But one of the things that I do since my drive home is an hour long is I listen to podcasts, podcasts like the very one you're listening to. So if you're interested to support the wonderful news and stories that you hear from WSHU, how about making a gift right now at WSHU.org? Thank you for your support and thank you for listening. When Jay promised to help the tenants, it sounded like the town might help Carmen and others find new housing. But now that I look at his actual words, Jay never actually specified what he meant when he said, help. Could we just take that downstairs? She's going to be the housing lady. She's the housing So I went back to Southampton Town Hall to meet the woman who called Carmen, the person Jay put in charge of helping the families at the Bel Air. Diana? Yes, come on down. How are you? Good. Do you remember me? Well, of course. How are you? I can't Again, her name is Diana Weir. Before she was the housing lady, I knew her as a Republican Party campaign manager. Now, she has a different job. My name is Diana Weir, and I'm the director of housing in the town of Southampton. Diana manages Southampton's stock of affordable housing. She works with developers to get the properties built and with the families who ultimately move in. In some ways, Diana hasn't changed a bit from when we first met. She's still blunt, and she really doesn't like NIMBYs. NIMBY? Not in my backyard. You tell people we're going to build a 20-unit apartment here, and the community goes totally over the edge. Diana also makes a point to bring up her Hispanic roots, although now in the context of the town's Spanish-speaking population. So there's no, like, there's no barrier between you? No, 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 not at all. Yo hablo español y puedo hablar con ellos, so it makes it a lot easier. Uh, Puerto Rico? <laughs> Puerto Rico and Colombia. After the eviction notices were served, Diana says she made an effort to reach out to Carmen and Eric. I spoke to the landlord. I asked him to send me a roster of who was living there and, you know, telling me what they were. And that's when I found out there were families there with children, two families. So that's when I was my priority. But immediately there was a problem. Diana said she didn't have housing for any of the tenants. At this point, I'm confused. Jay never mentioned this as a possible obstacle to his promise. Diana tells me that this is a bigger, separate issue. It has to do with affordable housing. There simply isn't enough in the town to help everyone who needs it. I ask Diana to show me what she means. So we leave town hall and pile into her car. No, the car is uh, washed by the rain. I wash it about We start driving east towards a hamlet called Sagaponic. The area is ritzy even by Hampton standards. It's often listed as the priciest zip code in the U.S. One of the mansions here has a 100-car garage. So to build there is kind of tough when a piece of property will cost you maybe $8 million just for the land. Sagaponic is a half-hour drive from the Bel Air. Diana is taking me to the affordable houses that Southampton had planned to build here. But it had a stumbling block. Not the cost, not the land, the rich 
neighbors. Neighbors came out and said, how dare you, you're going to put a project in the middle of my beautiful neighborhood. Now, did they actually say that? Yes, they said it on TV, on videotape. You're going to bring Queens and the projects to my neighborhood. What did you think when they said that? I think she's a moron. What do you think I think? I think she's an uneducated, biased NIMBY. Jay never mentioned any of this hostility in his promise to help the residents of the Bel Air. Now you said biased. What do you mean by biased? Biased because the underlying reason why people don't want affordable housing is because they think it's subsidized. They think they'll be black or Hispanic or poor, and they don't want that. So, so you do see an element of racism? Absolutely. In the- absolutely. In the NIMBYs, when they're trying to build? Absolutely. As we get closer, I'm girding myself for Sagaponic's Little Queens. But so far, all I can see are glimpses of the massive estates hidden behind hedges and trees. So here's what happened. The developer gave Diana says that she helped get these homes built. And originally, she says they were supposed to be six. The outrage from the community was so great that the town said, well... Maybe we'll just build two houses and we'll put each with an affordable apartment. So four units. There's 20 people being evicted from the Bel Air. And these aren't even in their price range. When Diana says there's not enough affordable housing for the tenants, this is what she means. So now we're going to show you the inside. Show you that. At this point, we're parked out front of the homes. It's not Little Queens at all. The houses are small, but they're nice, ranch-style, with cedar shingle siding and a shared gravel driveway. Both are modest compared to their neighboring mansions. We have wood floors. It's kind of like a great room effect. High ceilings. On a list for... Diana shows me a few other affordable developments on the other side of Southampton, and then we head back to Town Hall. As we're driving, I ask, how big is the affordable housing problem in the Hamptons? Um, So would you say, like, the housing shortage in the Hamptons, then, is about 200 people or 200 houses? No. I have about 1,600 people on a list for... Uh, an email blast that I do every time we have an opportunity. Now, that's a mixture of people... 1,600 people. And the families at the Bel Air are at the bottom of this list. If the housing situation is this dire, how did Jay and the town of Southampton ever think that they could help Carmen and the others in the first place? I asked Diana some version of this question in each of our interviews. How can Southampton ever fulfill its promise to help? The closest she came to giving me an answer was when we met at her office in Town Hall. It's hard. It, it is difficult. You know, it's heartbreaking. You don't want to see people put out in the street. But, you know, that's the landlord's responsibility, not the town. We're not a social services agency. The town isn't a social service agency. Honestly, I'm a bit shocked by this response. The town spent a million-plus tax dollars and months crafting a plan to tear down the Bel Air, presenting it at board meetings and meeting with Jag, the owner. And yet, 
The town's only plan to help Carmen and the rest is to refer them to local nonprofits and potential landlords. The agencies elect Long Island Housing Partnership, Community Development of Long Island, Catholic Charities, all the different... When Diana spoke with Eric, he was excited at first. When he heard about Jay's promise to help, he thought the town might loan him money to pay for the deposit for a new home. Instead, Eric says the only thing Diana gave him was her blessing. Whatever that meant, he was pissed. Now, the tenants, because they have no place to live, they'll put up with anything. That's how desperate people are to find housing here so that they can work or do whatever and survive. So that's the situation. At first, I thought the closing of the Bel Air was ironic, how the wealthy were getting rid of the workers they actually need. So I don't know. It'll play out as it plays out. Some people will go live with family. Some people might leave the area. You don't know. I mean, you know, there are many individuals. But the more I think about it, what's actually happening is segregation playing out in slow motion. Carmen may have to put her kids in another school district. Maria is looking at apartments that are an hour away from her job. Eric is thinking about leaving the Hamptons altogether. So now the town tries to say, well, you know, maybe we can buy it and do something with it and alleviate this problem, tear down the building, clean up the property, resell it. So that's where it all sits. I'm just here as an extra. I'm an extra bit player <laughs> trying to do some help at the direction of the town board. But it's a, it's a novel. And again, I, like I wasn't here for all of it. I'm here for the little tail end. This bit player at the tail end. Jay promised that she would help the tenants, but she couldn't. Instead, Mike Dunn and CCHB and the school district, they got what they wanted all along, to close the Bel Air, which has real implications. Because I have court on September 6th, and if I lost, I have to go out anywhere, so they don't care. I know they are trying to get rid of all the Spanish people, pretty much, because they are supremacist freaking whiteies that they say that only the people with a lot of money should be living in here. He kind of just gave up on the property in general. Like, you know, the garbage started piling up. Everything just started falling apart. He just didn't care. That's on the next chapter of Every Town. The story was written and produced by Max Wasserman and edited by Ann Lopez. Gabby Pardo fact-checked. It's reported by myself, Charles Lane. If you enjoy Every Town, please rate it in your podcast app. Or if you're listening on NPR One, press the interesting button in the top right corner. Or if you prefer to give us your feedback directly, visit our webpage, everytownpodcast.org.